0: Hello and welcome to the Refs Need Love Two podcast, a show where we get real, raw, and behind the scenes on one of the hardest jobs in the pitch, the referee. I have a special guest this week, Peter Manikowski, who is the president of the Professional Soccer Referees Association. We know they've been a little bit in the news recently as their membership has voted to authorize a potential strike next week. And as the president of the PRSA, he represents an organization that represents our pro-refs in the MLS, USL, NWSL, and the Canadian Soccer Association. I mean, this is an impressive man. He has refed as an assistant referee, over 225 matches in the MLS. He's been on the FIFA panel. But if I just said that, that would be impressive. He is also a lawyer and an economist with a master of in mathematics talk about impressive peter welcome to the podcast
1: it's great to be here thank you so much
0: outstanding well peter i have to tell you when i look at referees i know you know casual fans will look at referees and they think about a villain when i look at a referee i think about sacrifice i think about how much time and dedication to their craft, a physical, mental sacrifice to the family that they've gone through to become a professional referee. Can you talk to us a little about what the journey is like for most professional referees?
1: Sure, I, I'd love to. And, and this is a real um, uh, true story about refereeing is what you want it to be. And the amount of dedication that you put into it, you can go as far as you want to go. But as you as you rightly pointed out, it takes dedication, sacrifice, and all these um, all the, all the things that you can put into it, um, energy and time at the track. And what what we typically see is officials beginning their their career in either youth ball or maybe local games um, in their town or or in their city wherever they are, and you know you would start to move up the ladder by doing additional matches and in, in adult matches. Um, amateur matches, maybe something, um, you know, with, uh, more regional youth leagues and those kind of things. Some officials take a, take a track into college ball. Um, I personally worked in the big 10, um, starting when I was about uh, 20 years old. Um, and the big 10 was a great environment for me. And I, I truly loved, um, my, my time in the big 10. Um, and then from there, you know, it's, it becomes more and more selective at each step. Um, when I was coming up, there was, you know, there really was no second division, um, and there was no top division for women's ball. But um, but now there is, and at each step, moving through regional refereeing into professional matches, um, you know, there are so many matches now. But it truly is selective for the referees. Um, you have to be the best in your state, best in your region, and uh, best professionally at each step. And you can imagine that with. Every time you go up, the matches are farther from your house. The training camps are farther from your house. And the time on the road that you have to spend, the time on the track, the time in the weight room, um, it's big. It's big. And it becomes a lifestyle. And for a lot of people in the pros, you have a, you know, you might not be able to make enough money in refereeing right off the bat. So you have your day job and you've got to find the right compatibility of those things. And then, most importantly, is your family, and how you mix those two things—your day job and your refereeing—with your family—is the most difficult and most important decisions that you can make in your refereeing. Um, and then, once you move to the pros, it's it—it uh, it is a lifestyle. It truly is.
0: Yeah, I mean, just just briefly on that, you talk about that that journey. I, I've had people ask me, "Well, how do you become a professional referee?" Well, this is not just a one or two or three year type thing is it
1: no it took me 10 it took me 10 years to to uh get to mls yep wow and then i'm
0: assuming you know for many you know referees i mean it it could be you know 10 years it could be 12 it could be more um you know to to make it to that stage and then let's talk a little bit about so you you a professional referee, they finally get to the pros after putting in, you know, those 10 years or more, you know, they're in their late twenties or or maybe thirties by the time that they get there. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what the schedule is like for a professional referee in the MLS? How long is the season? And then like week to week, what are they doing to be able to stay as a professional referee?
1: So let me, let me start off with the season is very long in the United States compared to other countries. The season is very long. Um, The professional officials, for example, um, just this past weekend uh, took their preseason camp and preseason camp for pro officials occurs in January preseason camp for the national referees um, in the U S occurs sometime in December. Um, But you've got to stay fit all this time. And then we have preseason matches usually in February uh, then we have the regular season now starting earlier than ever, February 21st this year. And that that regular season then goes all the way through October, um, sometimes into November, playoffs and so forth. So it's a, it's a packed season. The top officials that we have now are working 45 matches over the course of the season, professional matches with players in their teens, 20s, 30s, moving as fast as they possibly can. And the mental um, concentration that you need to do this is off the charts. Then you couple that with, um, you know, the speed of the play. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal to do 45 matches a season. Even 40 is, a, is an enormous lift. And in order to do that lift, you have to be working out probably five days a week if you only have one match that week. One day of recovery speed workouts, other um, weight workouts, but you really have to do a lot of working out. Then you have to be studying the rules three, four times a week, taking your, taking your rules and, and knowing the laws um, up and down. MLS, for example, has rules of competition. Um, rules of competition here are unique, and you've got to know them. So you got to study those. And then finally, you got to watch tape. you got to watch tape to prepare for your next match. Uh, you gotta know what the players are gonna do before they do it. You gotta know what the teams are gonna do. Do they have a set playoff, a goal kick? You've gotta know. And um and it it's unbelievably exciting. I have a lot of enthusiasm in my voice because when I was on the field, I loved it. Um, but it's hard. It is it is hard. Um so the people that do it, I still have tremendous respect for them. Yeah. And and you talked about
0: those top referees. I mean, just because there might be an international break in MLS doesn't mean that they're off just like the top players, the top referees are going off to other tournaments as well.
1: They are, <clears throat> they are. And where they're working um, matches, for example, in the open cup um, is one of the places people work over here, or they might be working, for example, replay center uh, duty on leagues that are happening, for example, the NWSL. Uh, so, you know, it, and this occurs across all the leagues. The NWSL is the same thing. Those referees, they do the same studying of tape. They do the same rules. They do the same um, exercises. And same thing for USL. It's just different there because there's no replay component. So no matter where you are in the top divisions, it is it is a real um, time commitment. But it's also, I I remember one referee once told me, this is playing chess at 30 miles an hour. And it is. It's it, it, it it amazing
0: is. to me. People don't understand. Referees generally run more than every other person on the pitch on average during a match. People don't understand the physical component to being a top referee.
1: Yeah, that that's really true. Um, and the assistant referees even, you know, I, I used to do the... Um, uh, when like uh, GPS watches came out, I thought it was the coolest thing that you could see on your computer where you were running. Then I actually saw it. And, you know, in in a typical match, you're taking four miles of sprinting. And I mean sprinting uh, in the professional matches. In games where the players are really moving and there's are some like that, um, you have uh, maybe five miles of sprinting. In a match and then international matches where the the skill level is even higher, you know, you can you can have more than that. And referees running six or seven miles a game is normal now. Very normal.
0: We're going to take a quick break for words from our sponsor. It's better than an in-game water break. can we come back to a little bit about the the time commitment that you spoke about earlier um, when you are a you know professional referee whether you're a center referee or you're you know an assistant referee or the fourth official you know can you talk about the travel that's on them and obviously here in the United States we have a massive massive country it takes a long time to get from one point to another, you need to make sure you're there for the match and fresh from match. You talk about that time commitment and like when are refs notified? where are they going? How long do they need to be away? Cause I'm really, you know, we're talking about, you know, the lifestyle of referee. It is, it's not easy.
1: It it's really not. And, and when you work in the physical training and the recovery that you need um, into the flying around is tremendously difficult. Um, so, uh, on a typical match, let's say it's Saturday, uh, you would fly Friday, usually in the afternoon, um, arrive at your hotel, and, uh, and just go to bed. And, uh, and then Saturday, you know, you, the idea is to rest as much as possible on the Saturday um, and spend the time with your refereeing crew so you get to know each other's personalities, the expectations of one another, and to really uh, gel. And you do that over hotel breakfast um, and lunch. You do the match on Saturday night. And then depending on what time you want to get home on Sunday, some folks take the 6 a.m. on Sunday because they want to get back uh, to their families as fast as possible. Um, Other folks might like to sleep in. And that's Sunday is really a day where you can kind of pick what you want to do. Um, But if you can imagine that uh, under this schedule, you know, the referees are taking they get a weekend of 10 hours to themselves. And then if you have a a regular job, that means you really get 10 hours of free time a week to truly do your, your things with your, your family or whatever have you. Um, So that's, that's part of it. Um, The, our referees who travel around North America for CONCACAF matches or for FIFA have an even bigger travel mileage situation. And I'll I'll just close that question by saying, um, it the number of days that people are staying on the road now is approaching 200, uh, maybe even 240 days on the road uh, for professional referees right now, um, which is more than it's ever been. Um, and and to do these matches, that's what it's becoming: is you're living on the road 240, 250 days a year.
0: Yeah, I think this is such an important point. I mean, I I I think most people know that. If you have made it to the Ted uncle level, right, the Chris Penso, and you've been a center referee in the MLS for a number of years, I mean, you can do it as a full-time job. Financially, it makes sense, but for everyone else down that ladder, and, and I know a number of national referees here in Georgia who I've gotten to meet and some assistant referees and the video assistant referees, they can't make enough money to support a family You know, if you're not MLS center, everyone else has got to do pretty much a full-time job or some other way to make ends meet. So, you know, what you're saying about every single weekend of the year, you're gone and traveling and the workouts to stay in shape, to run those kind of mileages and not, not get injured and stay up in the 94th minute on that sprint as you would in the first minute. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost impossible (laughs) to try and have a, a life outside of, of chasing this dream to be a professional ref.
1: Yeah, that, a lot of that is true. And, but I think I want to go back to your opening comment of the, of this show here, which was, these people are tremendously motivated people. I mean, you find this also in, in uh, uh, all the other sports of the officials who are in the top. Um, You know, I, I have friends who are NBA referees, major league baseball umpires, um, uh, NHL referees and whatever have you. And the common theme across all of them is of course, they love their sport. That let's start there, right, they, they love it. But but outside of that, the motivation that folks have is the most motivated group of people I've seen uh, really in, in any profession I've been in, right? Um, just like our players, the players are tremendously motivated people. The referees are unbelievably motivated people. Um, the, their ability to concentrate to multitask to um to think about things and anticipate what will happen next is like I said I you you struggle to find that in many other professions um when you couple the physical mental and um and adrenaline aspects of what we do
0: yeah. So so you talk about, I mean, I, I call it love. I mean, obviously, to be a referee, you have to love the game, considering some of the, the adverse feedback we get and conflicts we have to deal with um, and vitriol that's thrown at us at a weekly uh, basis. But l- let's talk a little about where we are right now, the PSRA. So you have, again, voted to authorize a strike. And I have to tell you, I mean, I am probably one of the most involved, passionate, you know, soccer people and, and referees that you can find on this earth. But even I don't really understand what's going on right now and why you guys are striking. Can you shine a little light on on what's happening right now and what you guys are are trying to to do for your membership?
1: Sure. Yeah, I I'd love to talk about that. Um so let me let me start off by saying that here we are on the 26th of January. And it is it is my sincere hope that there is no labor dispute that's going to happen anytime soon. It's my sincere hope that the union and PRO can come to an agreement that the officials see as suitable and the company sees as suitable. So I just want to start there. That is my sincere hope Um, and is the sincere hope of the the PSRA board. As you might expect, based on what we just talked about, is the the requirements of officiating, the dedication to the officiating is – reached new levels. And our view is that we need to be keeping up commensurately with that um, dedication, as well as the services that we provide to Major League Soccer and the other leagues um, have really gone up. The complexity is there, the number of matches is there, all these other points um, point to higher wages for the work that we do, more flexibility in scheduling to some to some degree. And then travel benefits, flexibility, and the way we move around the United States and Canada are are critical elements. So we're bargaining for those things. We truly are. And the strike authorization that we have relates to the company not dealing fairly with us in our quest for a collective bargaining agreement. Um, And we filed an unfair labor practice with related to the conduct that we alleged that some of... Uh, pros management has engaged in, and that's a you know a hyper technical point perhaps, um, but that's the the source of the strike authorization is is we know what fair is, we want to be dealt with fairly, we want to be dealt with appropriately, to make an agreement that's fair for everyone on the on the back end.
0: Yeah, it's it's so well said. I, I will say you talked about how the referees now are all over the place at all these different levels. You've increased the professionalization. Can we just briefly talk about the scrutiny of referees these days? I mean, obviously we've brought in VAR now, you know, for a number of years, but it's like every single match has like 20 different camera angles. And the coverage is crazy. The scrutiny of every decision seems to be so much higher. Now. I know there's a lot of people who are like, Oh, referees aren't held accountable but that couldn't be further from the truth
1: it's quite the opposite in fact um and and i want to this may sound cliche but the scrutiny that the officials put on themselves is even higher than the, what the fans coaches players uh, stakeholders whatever have you right i um you know i i remember when i was doing this that when i was watching tape it would take me two or three hours to watch the game because I was stopping it, rewinding, stopping, rewinding, and and really kind of sometimes beating myself up on the plane on the way home about what I had done the night before, and uh, maybe that was a little unhealthy. But at the same time, it's part of the it's part of the life. But um, I want to get back to your your earlier point, which is even the collective bargaining agreement that we have right now, the evaluation system that we use goes on for a, about 15 to 20 pages, detailing how the officials are evaluated, what they're evaluated on, the scales for each element. Um, and it's it's a, look, it's a point of job security for the officials, right? To make sure that they're evaluated fairly. But it's also the point is that there are so many facets to refereeing we do our best at every single one, and it's only fair that we be evaluated on those facets. So, um, it it comes in lots of parts, but it's it is robust, <laughs> to, to say it mildly.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think people have any idea the amount of scrutiny every single every single call is made. I, I know I have some friends who have. Have talked to me about their professional referee experience. You know that the, the uh, evaluations, <laughs> the assessments are four, six pages long of every single decision, and there are real consequences when key match decisions are missed. And it's it's not like you can go get another job, refing some other soccer league professionally. <laughs> I mean, it's high stakes every
1: week. It it really is, and and not only that, um, it, it's not just you know another league, another place. It's I want to be able to do the biggest matches when they come up right I remember when I when I was in and I know this makes me sound old but when Red Bull played la I wanted to do that every time they played one another I wanted to do that game right Seattle Portland um, some of these other matchups that are I wanted to be in every single one of those matchups because those were the fastest games the hardest games and and most competitive. And I remember one season, um, my crew worked New York versus L.A. both times that season. And that was one of the proudest moments that I really had in refereeing um, was to be, it's very rare that they used the same crew on both of those games, but that was, uh, those were the things that we really strive for and really worked hard on. Um, and then, of course, the playoff matches. Uh, so that's why we scrutinize ourselves so hard, because that's how we get better and work the big matches that we want um, uh, as the season goes on.
0: So I want to talk about kind of as we go forward. So you're actively in negotiations, um, you know, on this contract right now. Um, There's already starting to be talk about, well, what if the PSRA does actually go on strike? Do you want to deliver a message? I mean, there are a hundred plus thousand referees here in the United States who are not in PSRA, you know, if you guys do on, go on strike, do you have a message that you want to send to the other referees out there of, you know, how they can support, but also, you know, not crossing a picket line
1: potentially? Well, yeah, labor disputes are are really hard, right? And they come about in, in different forms, right? The union striking is one of them. The other one, which happened in 2014, was the company locked us out on the Thursday prior to the first league match. And I remember being lo- locked out and my heart sinking because of what was happening at the time, um, but also kind of that feeling that other officials would be doing my work. And it, it was hard to process. Um, nothing like that had ever happened in the United States before. Um, and once again, it's my sincere hope that that doesn't happen again. Um, and look, the officials who stood with us in 2014, um, we appreciated what they did. Right? They um, they became not available for those matches that um, that uh, Pro at the time had asked them to do. They um, they had other work going. Um, they chose to simply say, "I'm standing in solidarity with the union officials," and we really appreciated that. Right. And, and it comes the appreciation comes in a couple of parts, not just the contract that we have right now, or the contract that we may be bargaining for. But we really view this as the respect that the the company has for the officials, the respect MLS has for the officials, and these things has it truly has risen in a positive way over the years. And we want to raise it further. And with that respect comes higher wages, better better way to move around the country, um, scheduling and whatever have you. But these things all come down to the officials who are working in the lower levels. And that's a key point over here, which is our our philosophy is that the rising tide will lift all the referees in all the places. It will call greater attention to the job of refereeing, which is one of our goals as well. And really, To increase the professionalism from international ball to the NWSL, Major League Soccer, and all the other leagues that we have deserve professional referees, and we want to give it to them, and we know what to do to make it happen. So that's why we're asking the officials to really stand with us, um, because we see the impact across the country, United States and Canada. Um, as being enormous, and uh, and we can all get there if we work together. I, I truly believe that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know again, as a grassroots official for about ten years now, the the training and the professionalism <laughs> the gap between grassroots and pro. Is dramatic, and even if you might be, um, you know, have been around for a long time as a regional referee, I mean, it is a massive jump to go pro. Can you talk a little bit about what happened last time there was a lockout? I think MLS did try to go forward with some other referees. Did the quality get affected? Oh,
1: they did. They did go forward um, with with other officials. Um, in my view, it did. Right. Of course, and I've got to say the, the referees who went out there in the early part of march of 2014 they did their best too they really did and they applied the professionalism that they had that they could supply and just like every referee does no matter when they go out there Um, but there's an issue of familiarity with the league familiarity with the players with the coaches with the unique rules that exist in mls sometimes And that familiarity just isn't there if you bring in replacement officials. It's just not.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's already, you know, lots of talk about consistency and credibility of officials. And again, you know, when I look at, at Ismail and I look at, you know, yeah, you know, again, Tori Penso or Chris Penso or or Ted Uncle or any of these uh wonderful referees. I mean, they come across as so professional and have so much credibility on the pitch. And that comes from training and, and feedback and familiarity with the players in the league. And if you lose that, it really calls all of the games into question and the professionalism of of the MLS, the credibility of the MLS. Um, so I I hope they do um. Find a way to come to the table and uh, come to agreement with you guys, so we can avoid this situation.
1: Yeah, and and look, they've come to the table; they really have. Um, and and we appreciate the work that the pro committee is doing. So I I want to be very clear that these are. Um, I actually worked with many of them on the field of play. Um, a couple of the folks I worked with them in uh, major, in uh, major MLS Cup twenty fourteen. So we all are talking about the same thing. Right, we we really are. It's just it's to the extent of wages, it's the extent of benefits, travel considerations, and scheduling. Um, that the question is how much and when, right? And and um, so I want to be very clear about that, which is the pro committee is is made up of good people, um, and some of them have been my friends for twenty years. the The real part about about replacement officials that um is right is that is that matches are spectacles right the entertainment value of these matches is held together by the, in, in a large part to the talent of the referee right the 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 talent and the dedication of the referee makes the matches flow in a way that you don't even believe you're seeing right and when and when that talent breaks down or errors occur or whatever have you the spectacle breaks apart. The entertainment value to the fans, to the players, the coaches, that's what breaks down. And so there's not so much the accuracy of the de- decisions, but the management of the match, the way people talk to one another, the way people interact with one another. And by the way, how long the ball is in play has a lot to do with this, right? Nobody wants to see a disputes over throw-ins or goal kicks or whatever. We want to see the ball in play, and we want to see the players moving as fast as they can and that's the real talent that the officials provide is those soft skills to keep the ball moving to keep the ball in play and let the players show what they have and that's what it's all about that's why i love soccer it's fast and the players make all the difference to and we want to provide that foundation for them to to do that on the field of play
0: Outstanding. Well, Peter, I, I just want to thank you so much for your time. The last question I have for you is how can we, you know, the soccer community and specifically the soccer ref com- referee community, which again, there's a hundred thousand grassroots referees across just the United States. And I know there are referees in all other countries who are looking at this situation, who are dealing with similar types of challenges issues. How can we support you during this time?
1: Well, first of all, is by reaching out to the officials who you may know and discussing these issues, right? What are you paid in your local league? What would you, where would you like it to go? What dedication does the local league require of you? Where do you want that to go? We're talking about the same things over here. And it's the discussion that's, that's really important. So we ask you to really share your solidarity with us as we begin this, you know, uh, or continue on this road towards building a better life for referees and making their work, um, fulfilling and also their work uh, their their work conditions suitable so that they can do the best job as they possibly can so you know these these disputes have happened in other places and and you know they've happened in South America they've happened in Central America they happen in Europe from time to time they happen all over the world right and and in each place each place is an opportunity to raise the level of refereeing so that the job is better for the referee And that's what we're really trying to do. This is our year. Um, Other places will have other years, but we all support one another just as we do on the field of play. Um, You know, you're a crew of three. Now we're four or five or six. We're asking us to be a crew of, uh, you know, thousands of referees standing together.
0: Outstanding. Peter, thank you so much. I'm just going to close this out in there. And I just want to say thank you for what you're doing again, not just for the PSRA, but for referees everywhere all around the world. Uh, This has been an episode of the Refs Need Love 2 podcast. Again, you can find me at refsneedlove2.com, at TikTok, on Insta, uh, certainly on the website and this podcast as well. Please let us know your comments and your feedback. And definitely uh, please support the PSRA as they fight for all of us. Again, I sincerely appreciate your time and I hope your next match is red card free.